I see it as more of a fear that if you're different than I am, somehow your differentness um, scares me. And therefore, I have to either put you down or keep you away or um, defend myself. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I get real about addressing the pain and fear in our society on both sides of the political spectrum now that the presidential election is over and how family and friends can come together and heal the divide, including conversations on social media and upcoming holiday gatherings. Stay tuned. We launched the Hitched Wine Club to be a recurring reminder for couples to sit down and have a conversation sometimes for date night and sometimes because we're all so busy that we forget to connect with each other. Just the anticipation you feel when an email alerts you that your next shipment will be on your doorstep soon provides a boost of excitement. Now, more than ever, we need to have meaningful, thoughtful conversations and opening one of our wines provides the perfect catalyst and excuse to open up. With the holiday season here, the Hitched Wine Club also makes a great gift. We have a few different levels for all price points. Go to hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link on our homepage to learn more. That's hitchedmag.com. Cheers! Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original, the lovely Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues. She is also the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, and the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, This week, we uh, are post-presidential election, um, and there is uh, a lot of divide and divisiveness in the country, and this is not new to anybody uh, who has been watching the news or has been on social media or the internet in general for any amount of time. Um, And I guess I wanted to take this opportunity in this podcast to tackle it from a hitch standpoint of bringing people together, um, trying to heal some of that divide, and in particular with those closest around you. Um, We have probably all come in contact with friends or family members online, social media, Facebook in in particular, um, and, you know, Twitter and other places as well, uh, where you have disagreed with somebody you know uh, and it seems to have cut pretty darn deep this time. And so I wanted to talk about it right now. So, um, we, you know, we have, a lot of people have handled this in different ways. And I know of friends and family members who have blocked people on social media. Um, holiday visits might be getting a little awkward. Um, what can you do when you're walking into a conversation or situation, Karen, where you know the other person holds views that are adamantly opposed to your own and in some cases might even offend you? 
Well, I'll tell you what my husband and I have done. We, because we, <clears throat> we are in that situation with several of our friends. We have basically told our friends that we are going to not discuss politics. Mm-hmm. That are that obviously uh, people are allowed to disagree, and that we value their friendship too much, and that that is just not a subject that we're going to discuss with each other. So I'm going to challenge you on that really quick. And, okay. And, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just I just want to have the conversation because okay. Um, a lot of people have said now that the election is over and regardless of whether you are a Trump supporter or a Hillary supporter, I think for most people, the result was a surprise. And um, e- including people from within Trump's own camp, mm-hmm. um, I w- read something from one of their internal pollsters who said that they had polled that they expected him to lose. Mm-hmm. So – one of the arguments um, that's now being made, and I get, I suppose I'm making it now, is uh, we have kind of sort of already been polite about not talking about the differences. Mm-hmm. And so and, – and that is the reason why we now sit at this um, – on two different sides with the big chasm in between us because the other side – we don't under, understand each other. And rather than making an attempt and figuring out how we can talk to each other, we just say, we're not going to talk about it because I, I value your friendship or I value you as a family member too much to discuss this. And I don't mm-hmm. want to ruin that relationship. <clears throat> In the meantime, you're offended by what that person stands for. And I guess I'm questioning whether or not and really when you're not talking about it you're ignoring it if ignoring it is the path to moving forward and healing well (laughs) I think that we've got to try to take it's hard it's going to be hard for me to discuss this I, I guess what I have to say is I was a Hillary supporter not necessarily because I felt she was fabulous. I just felt she was the better of the two candidates. And so I'm going to take a page from her speech and say that what we really have to do is look to the values of what makes America be America, mm-hmm. which is to respect our diversity um, because those are principles that I just basically value. Yeah. in general, to not um, be negative or um, harmful or disrespectful to people merely because they are different than who we are. And so um, I did appreciate very much Donald Trump's um, uh, speech when he was elected because I felt that it was humble and that he did make an appeal um to say I want to be a president for all people, even those those of you who didn't, you know, support me, and that I did I did appreciate, and I think that that's what we really have to move towards. Um, my biggest concern is the amount of hostility and divide and anger that clearly uh, he tapped into. I mean, clearly that is something that. Um, 
That was unquestionably part of his platform. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so um, that concerns me that um, that's what's really um, something that has been just below the surface. Um, and he and he, you know, was able to really uh, bring that out. And so I think that the only thing, in my opinion, that comes from um, just merely expressing anger is more anger. I don't find that therapeutic or productive. Uh, I think that, and as you said, perhaps just ignoring something isn't going to make it go away. I wouldn't normally uh, subscribe to that. I think that if we can talk about how we can understand each other better and um, work towards common uh, goals, work towards understanding who people are, regardless of their differences, that that will help us uh, as a nation and help us just in general as, as people. I mm -hmm. think that that's always the better way to go, whether it be in your relationship with your mate or, you know, on a very large scale as we're talking about now. Because I, um, I, you know, one of the things that I have, you know, I've done a lot of reflecting on what has transpired and just thinking about how I think most people there when they scored this election one of the things one of the conclusions they came to was that uh, people fundamentally rejected how the government was being run and that they thought the government was broken and all that kind of stuff and at the end of the day though it's the people within the country mm -hmm. that have influence. Um, we are the ones that have the power of revolution through our elections. We get to decide who makes those choices for us on certain things. And when you... Uh, swapping out the people at the top, I guess is my argument, is swapping out the people at the top will not do anything to heal everybody else if everybody else doesn't talk to each other. And I'm going to move on to my second question about, I think a lot, because where this divide comes from, I believe, is because people are suffering in different ways. And one person had, you know, just as an observation, has put their suffering above another group's suffering. And so, for example, you might have somebody in a factory town who might feel forgotten, uh, while you have a person of color uh, who is being stopped and frisked and might feel unjustly profiled and harassed on the other end. And when you look at the um, post-election um, polling results, you can see uh, racial disparities in voting. You can also see um, urban versus suburban versus um, rural uh, voting disparities. Um, and I think more than anything that shows a demographic divide and a, and a divide in how people feel um, unjust within our system. And they voted in their own best interest to heal that suffering. Um, and so for me, I see this as there's an empathy gap uh, of one person's pain trumping another's, and there's no pun intended there. Um, so my question to you is what can... Uh, our opposing views 
what can we do to begin the communication and understanding of each other? Um, you know, acknowledging that, okay, I, I understand the factory in your town, uh, shut down and, and you feel that all the jobs have been shipped overseas and you want your jobs back and there's economic hardship which has caused a, a, a bunch of other hardship and I know it's more complicated than just that one single issue and on the flip side um, people feel like they are being um, har- harassed and profiled and treated unjustly uh, how can we have those I, you know this is a huge question this is not something that um, anybody solved uh, since the formation of this country but how can we begin to have a conversation like that because I feel like that is something that is desperately desperately needed because right now it just seems to be like mud flinging well <clears throat> I'm going to um, differ with you a little bit not differ but present it from a different angle Okay. though you're saying that you think that there's a lack of empathy and my problem's worse than yours, I see it as more of a fear mm-hmm. that if you're different than I am, somehow your differentness um, scares me. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I have to either put you down or keep you away or um, defend myself. Um, empathy... I think would result more if we would open ourselves up and be willing to hear, uh, get to know and hear other people mm-hmm. um, and and realize that they're just people also uh, with their own um, uh, likes and fears and concerns and vulnerabilities. But if we are too afraid to even... Um, get into that arena, and I'm going to talk to you about a study in a moment, um, then you can't have empathy mm-hmm. if, you won't even, if you won't even come together. Now, when they have done studies in the past, whether it was putting uh, interracial teams together, where they had to be in the locker room together and, you know, um, practice together and things like that, or whether it was um, students who were of Arab descent and Israeli descent working on a common project together, what the finding was, was similar, that they all got along just fine mm-hmm. when they were actually intermixed and working on a common project. But very rarely is that the case. So we see somebody who appears different from us, and because somehow we're threatened by that, um, we you know, just automatically stay away from it because somehow we feel that um, they're different and, and, and it's going to, um, it, what it really boils down to in my eyes is we don't feel secure in ourselves. Mm. If we feel secure in ourselves, somebody can be different from us. That doesn't mean that we can still be okay. So, so if, um, that's, if that's the... If that's the issue, that mm-hmm. is an insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a, a global security issue? Is it is it, is it a personal identification issue? Is it an economic so. security issue? Is it all of these things? Like what? I think it's, I think it's all of those things. But I think that um, 
I can allow you to exist, coexist with me because your existence isn't going to threaten my existence. As a matter of fact, I can I, really share. Now, I'm going uh, um, to counter that really quick. Okay. Uh, trying to keep this podcast real. Uh, <laughs> um, their existence will change your existence. Um, I think it's disingenuous to think that if I have a particular lifestyle surrounded by a particular type of people and then all of a sudden um, a different set of people with different culture I have actually I have an amazing example of this mm-hmm. um, I live in a very diverse community Mm-hmm. And uh, right around Halloween, actually before Halloween, I noticed a whole bunch of Christmas lights going up. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I were like, what the hell is going on? Like you, this stuff does not ha- – like it happens earlier and earlier every year. Mm-hmm. And we were just like appalled by how marketing has taken over our culture. Mm-hmm. So I went in – and it just so happened to – I rent and I went into my leasing office and I said, um, you know, while I'm here, I just had a question. Do you guys know why Christmas lights this year went up so darn early? Mm-hmm. And their reply was, um, it is for the Festival of Lights, which is part of the Indian culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, oh, those aren't Christmas lights. Right. That was my right. ignorance. Right. Passing judgment. Now, did it change my neighborhood? Yes. Uh, did it make it worse? No. Do exactly. I have a more worldly view on things? Yes. Right. Exactly. Um, and so I think it. So to say that it won't change, no, I don't think that's true. But do I think it's bad? No, I absolutely okay, I don't. Think you, okay, so you're pl- you're putting it differently. Might it alter? But can we not learn to adjust and adapt? In in what way did that really impact you in a negative way? That's the that's the I think that's the key point. Is like what's the harm, right? right. Like what is the harm? And so I think um, what was tapped into during this election, in particular, was the harm. And this is this goes into. Uh, the nativism and the isolationism and all right. that stuff that Trump was right. preaching is that the harm is that he was saying that it's those other people's fault as to why you don't have economic security and and on and on. Right. So he was pinpointing why the change in difference was bad as opposed to trying to identify uh, a changing world and here is how we address those issues. That's correct. And his um, – Hit, and so to to kind of sum this up, how like how can we make people feel comfortable with the idea of it doesn't matter what you want, change is coming. It came in the 80s, it came in the 90s, it came in the 60s, it came in the 20s. Change mm-hmm. is always going to come. Mm-hmm. So um, we can put our heads in the sand and act like the world around us doesn't exist Mm-hmm. Or we can have conversations about how do we address these changes and get more comfortable to your point about being insecure. How can we become more comfortable with these and in a way that um, we address change and help um, alleviate fear of harm? Well, you know, so now you're tapping on um, change and most people 
are very uncomfortable with change. Mm-hmm. They just, they don't like change. They would much rather um, keep things status quo because that makes them feel safe. It's uncomfortable to change. But again, I think in my mind, it goes back to if you feel comfortable enough in your own skin and good enough about who you are, you can allow somebody else to be who they are with their differences and not be threatened by it. And likewise, of course, that other person should be doing the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if that, in, a, in, in the best of all worlds, were really the case, people could coexist and actually be helping one another. Mm-hmm. I, my, 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 um, my biggest hope for the, what has transpired um, is that this is the fever break <laughs> of our culture where we have to reckon with um, the challenges that we currently face as opposed to blaming each other's sides. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think up until this point, that's what has happened. Like the reason that people have economic disparity is because of other people um, as opposed to bigger, you know, globalization, for example. And, you know, anyways, I don't want to get into the politics of it, Oh well, I, I we have, but I want to move on with some of the questions that I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. um, that are more pertinent to, to I think directly to our uh, listener readership. So um, one of the big things is um, social media, and so mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about that for a second. I am a I am not a proponent of blocking or muting people on social because I b- believe that that perpetuates uh, the echo chamber of misinformation. However, I also understand why people would block others because they can uh, get a flood of another person's feed that they find discomforting um, and in many cases false and even harassing. So what are your thoughts on handling social feeds with friends and family where, again, you 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 don't want to block them but having their um perhaps misinformation or just their offensive information um taint the way that you view them and you want to be able to go to their house and not feel uncomfortable how <laughs> i could do this in a number of ways i mean first of all you know how you react is your choice Mm -hmm. so you can um, choose to ignore it Mm -hmm. you can just block the post Um, you know it depends on how offensive it is I mean I have a girlfriend who went out with people and I won't say which side uh, she was on but she went out with people who were on a different side politically than she and she found it so Offensive that they were on a different political side that she won't go out with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I said I was a Hillary supporter, so mm-hmm. I will uh, continue with that. Yesterday, I spoke with a friend that I hadn't spoken to in a long time, and and quite frankly, I was I was upset yesterday. Um, not so much again because Hillary lost, but I was concerned about what the meaning would be of um, a Trump presidency. And so this friend called and she said to me, how, how are you? And I said, 
today or in general. Mm-hmm. And she laughed. So then I realized that she did not feel like I did. Mm-hmm. And my initial thing was I don't really feel like talking to her. I really didn't feel like talking to anybody. But I went past it and I said, you know, I'm not I'm not going to let this get in the way. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, you just sort of have to decide what you want to do. I mean, if you find somebody really, really offensive, whether it be about this issue or anything else, why are you friends with them? What if it's a family member? I think then you have to make a decision again um, about, okay, so we have to see Uncle Joe. We have to tolerate him at Thanksgiving and you keep it to a minimum. Uh, and you act civilly and respectfully, but you don't have to get yourself entrenched. Mm-hmm. Um, That's my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I. I mean, I. One of the so uh, one of the criticisms of Facebook uh, in particular is that there, uh, and this is um, va- verified, is that there are third-party foreign countries who have Mm -hmm. cropped up um, fake media entities to flood Facebook with misinformation. And then Mm. Facebook perpetuates that information by putting it in their news trending stuff, as well as allowing people to share it as if it were um, valid information. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess this gets back to my original point of muting, and this is why I don't, like muting and blocking and definitely there are conversations i mean i my personal rule is i don't post anything political and i don't Mm -hmm. respond to anything political right um so i know i'm talking a big game here but i avoid it because i find that most people lack nuance Mm -hmm. um and it goes into attack mode um and I do. I have family and friends who post things on both sides of the spectrum, and radically so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess I we ha- we live in this culture of misinformation, and and we like to blame blame, let's say, mass media, right? Yes. Where do you classify Facebook in that realm? Because they are adamantly opposed to being called a media company. But they are. But they are. And what I was about to say to you is in the same way that I think it's each of our responsibilities to uh, be selective in what we watch and what we read uh, and what we decide we're listening to, the same thing goes for social media. I mean, you don't have to um, turn on the news. You don't have to, um, you know, read certain things. You have to decide which uh, station you're going to listen to, which newspaper you're going to listen to. So I, I think that you have just because something appears on Facebook doesn't mean that you have to believe what's what's there. Yeah, and I guess my um, how can my question I guess then shifts to how can you address false information perpetuated by somebody close to you? without offending them or starting some sort of like flame mm-hmm. war online mm-hmm. where you say, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's not true. Uh, here is the source of that information. These are the facts. And then they come back with some, because, you know, you might be willing to engage, but they might just try to shut it down with some, uh, you know, just some smarmy comeback or some attack on you about, you know, being, you know, super right wing or super liberal or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So how do you address that? And and I want to count 
add to that, I think one of the problems that our society in general has a problem with is the lack of engagement. Um, and I say that because when you look at the turnout of our elections are abysmal uh, in comparison to other first world countries. And we have uh, at best a 50% turnout rate of eligible voters in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so really 25% of our voters are selecting who runs the country. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, to just, you can, and I, and I, by the way, like I said, I don't engage in stuff on social media. So I understand that argument and I understand the, if this upsets you, just turn off the TV or just change the channel. I get all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like we have, and I think we've had this conversation before. We have asked so little of our citizens as of late because we have been so comfortable in general without great depressions, without world wars, without a lot of the things that previous generations have had to deal with, that now our gripes are first world gripes for the most part. There are some deep-seated historical, cultural things. I get that as well. I don't want to um, minimize those. But for the most part... Um, I feel like we have been disengaged a little, perhaps a little too much. And so I guess I'm arguing for how do we re-engage without offending people? And, and- well, I, I think you can merely say, you know, that I'm surprised to hear that. Um, I've read some information that was counter to that. I'm, you know, you'd be, you'd be diplomatic. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've read some information counter to that. Um, where did you get that information? Because that's not what I heard. Um, you know, there are ways to say to, um, I don't want this to sound like an attacking word, but there are ways to confront somebody, but doing it in a, you know, in a diplomatic way, in a diplomatic way. So I think that if you can just say, you know, that that's not consistent with something that I had heard, um, you know, would, you know, do you want me to share what I've, you know, what I've heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody may also just be the kind of person, this is going to sound awful, but who just wants to, you know, spout off and who's really not interested in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, why I mean, bother? Is it, is it helpful to offer the information as opposed to just giving them the information? So you made the statement of, I, you know, I can share that with you as opposed to, here's a link that proves that you're an idiot. Well, I would never say to somebody, here's a link that proves that you're an idiot. I know, but I've seen that post online. Well, (laughs) I I I wouldn't do that. I would say something like, I have some information that that seems to counter that. You know, I'd be glad to share that with you. You know, and and again, Steve, I don't think there's one particular method that fits all. Yeah. I think that, you know, for some people I'd say, you know, are you interested in me sharing that with you? With other people, I'd say something like, I'd, I'd really invite you to take a look at this before, you know, you you send this, you know, l- let me do something similar. Sometimes there are posts that go around mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then I would have a friend who would say, you know, I checked this out on Snopes mm-hmm. and here's what Snopes had to say. And then you, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I sent this around and, you know, this this really wasn't true. Yeah. You know, and so she would say, you might want to check this out before you send this next time. So perhaps a, a first step. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I guess I'm kind of trying to come up with some guidelines that we can offer people. And I know that there's not just one single way, but maybe the first step is don't attack people because that always, will shut them down. Always, absolutely. That's. I mean, we're saying this as if it's common sense, but I can open up my Facebook feed right this second. 
mm-hmm. and I can open up Twitter right this second and find mm-hmm. probably 25 mm-hmm. posts where somebody's being attacked by another person. Okay. Okay. And, and by somebody who's really close to them. Okay. Um, number two, I feel like if you get information um, that either proves or disproves your point, and it might seem uh, uh, perhaps too good to be true, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I would suggest researching that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I've noticed is we see anecdotal posts all the time of people getting attacked or um, things being posted on people's threads. And if you don't know the source of that, if it's just some random person, I mm-hmm. think that also requires some some skepticism as to what is the source. Because as I mentioned before, we know for sure foreign entities are trying to mess with our democracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just because somebody posted some really hateful thing on somebody's post, that post gets snapshotted and then a picture of that gets passed around to show how mm-hmm. awful people are as opposed to anybody actually asking well, who is that person that said right, that thing? Right. And I can look to, again, five posts right now where I bet everybody who's commented and liked it, did the little sad face, has no idea where, it where came that from. came from. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there needs to be some skepticism of the information itself. Um, now, granted, this is different than when you have uh, a friend or family member who says something directly to you or mm-hmm. about you or about your whatever, right? So that is different. So I just think a little more skepticism and a little more uh, approaching it with a little bit of a more of an open heart and empathy and, and a listening ear mm-hmm. um, is, a, is a good first step. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple more things I wanted to touch on. I know we're... Uh, this is a little bit longer than our normal podcast. Um, so if there is a uh, situation where a family member uh, does need to get cut off because they have emphatically insulted your family or other people very close to you in your life, how can you go about that, at least temporarily, where it's not causing permanent damage to the relationship? Or is that something that's even possible? And and I, I also want to say that like a lot of times this stuff happens with it's blamed away as a generation gap thing or a culture gap thing. I I think again if you say some you know I'm going to go to if you say something like I just sort of feel like my relationship with you is just too important and I think we need to not get into this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the person keeps insisting you know, you just sort of say, you know, for a while until this all um, quiets down, I think we're going to need to sort of, I, I don't even know if you have to announce it. So I a scenario. Sort of back off. <laughs> okay. So a scenario like this is one of those like firewall situations where we don't, we just don't talk politics at the table. Yeah. Uh, really you start there this. and then when they continue to insist on it, then you just kind of like back away from the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I really do think so. Okay. Um. And and then I'm guessing there are going to be a lot of holiday dinners coming up where <laughs> politics is banned from the table. Um, while that might make the meal palatable, uh, and we, we have touched on this, is it wise um, to keep those thoughts and feelings bottled up? Because whether you talk about it or not, the conversation at the table won't be any less awkward if you know if they have said 
hateful things or opposing things that have offended you throughout this process? Okay, so first of all, you use the term bottled up, mm-hmm. which I think has a little bit of energy behind it. Okay. Don't think of it as bottled up. Think it is think of it as I'm going to be discreet. I'm okay. going to respect the fact that somebody's different than me and I'm going to allow for those differences. The second thing is that again, I would like to invite people to consider the fact that when somebody is very hateful, it's generally coming out of their fear. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. Okay. You don't have to entertain it. um do you know that that do you try to inform because the fear as we discussed earlier comes a lot from the unknowing and a little bit of ignorance Uh do you try to inform and educate them on the fact that they do not because generally unfortunately when people are that fearful and fear is probably the strongest emotion after love mm-hmm. it's really really hard to get them to change so no I just leave it and I try to act I try to take the high road and accept them for who they are because I think the more that you act loving towards somebody the better shot you have of helping them feel comfortable and not acting in inappropriate ways mm-hmm now you may think I'm a mamsy pamsy, but <laughs> that's that's how I try to roll. No, no, I, you know, I, I think one of the important things to point out in this, and this is something we have discussed in past podcasts, is when you attack somebody, when you get angry at somebody, um, and we know that uh, what you focus on grows, kind of a thing. And so exactly. if you attack somebody, we know they immediately throw a wall up, right? Mm-hmm. And when they do that, they get angry. And what happens when people get angry is the critical thinking parts exactly. of their brain begin to shut down. That's exactly right. And we know this through neuroscience. This isn't one of these woo-woo uh, things. This is actually how our bodies and brains work. That's exactly right. And so when you talk about when people have this fear and, and you know hate comes from fear and all this stuff, they are already – tilting towards that side of not you know having that open mind let's say right um and so you pointed out that love is the emotion that is greater than than uh fear mm-hmm. and is there a way that we can inject love into these kind of scenarios uh to kind of bring down that wall a little bit so we can shake hands on top over it well I think again that the more that you are respectful and caring and if you're coming from a higher place or a more understanding place empathic towards someone the more that you're likely to help them feel accepted and calmer and nicer Mm -hmm. okay um I could talk about this stuff for a long time um and i know this isn't a conversation that's going to go away anytime soon but for now we will have to wrap it up unless there is anything else you wanted to add no i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> you're like nope <laughs> i'm ready to be done with this all right uh well i would love to get your feedback on this uh for all those listening out there um and I want solutions. Um, I can go online and see the troubles. I want solutions. So if anybody has 
um, maybe a good story to tell about how they were able to break down a barrier or a scenario where they were o- able to overcome differences or have a conversation and what tactic you used or what environment you were in when that conversation took place because we also know that where you have conversations matters. You can go back into our archives and look about dis- argument disputes and things like that where we talk about a variety of different things uh, that can help in engaging in these uh, discrepancies. So um, let us know. You can go to hitchedmag.com. There is an email button on our podcast page, or you can hit us up on the social platforms, Facebook, um, Twitter. Please don't post hateful things to us. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, We are on uh, all the other ones too, but uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, But in the meantime, I want to thank you so much for your time and so much for your advice, Karen. Uh, This was a cathartic podcast that was well needed because I do think that the healing needs to begin. I hope so. Yeah. Okay, Steve. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I want to remind everybody that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationships and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Uh, Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, You can get more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. We have a link to uh, all this stuff on our website. There is a experts uh, link on our homepage. You can find archives of all these wonderful podcasts that we've done with Karen uh, on, you know, whatever podcast platform you're using, but some of them only feed in, you know, the most recent, you know, couple dozen. Uh, We have hundreds. This is episode 400 and something, something. I don't even know. Uh, But we have tons. So if there is a topic, go ahead and do a search through our archives. We might have discussed it in the past because we've discussed a lot of things. Uh, So I hope hope you guys have a good week uh, and just approach your fellow family and friends in a loving manner. So... Uh, let the let the healing begin. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Bye bye. Take care, everybody.